What up, everybody? You're now tuned into the true definition of a sports fanatic. I'm your host, Brandon Lampley. Gonna get into some sports today. Won't be too long. It's not much going on. We had an eventful weekend, especially in NFL football and college football. Didn't really watch too much of college basketball. Did get some NBA in. Of course, I did watch the GOAT. Uh, they beat, I think it was Phoenix last night. Kyle Kuzma had 23 off the bench. Man, we got a big three brewing in L.A. But first things first, I'll start off with the NFL and talk about this story where Colin Kaepernick um, is going to have a workout this Saturday. Story I thought so first saw on ESPN. It said NFL clubs were informed Tuesday that a private workout will be held for free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick on Saturday in Atlanta. The session will include on-the-field work and an interview. All teams are invited to attend, and the video of the workout and the interview will be made available to them. Kaepernick tweeted out, I'm just getting word from my representatives that the NFL League office reached out to them about a workout in Atlanta on Saturday. I've been in shape and ready for this for three years. Can't wait to see the head coaches and GMs on Saturday. Now... The whole thing surrounding this is kind of strange because it said that Kaepernick and his reps were alerted about the workout 10 a.m. on Tuesday. And they initially want the workout to be on Tuesday, which is when NFL workouts normally take place because head coaches and general managers can be more can more easily attend. On Saturday, teams are traveling. They're getting ready for um, to go play out of town, to um, play in games out of their city, and you won't have a lot of none of them will really be able to attend the workout. So Tuesday would be the best day, of course. But the NFL wanted it; they say it had to be on Saturday, and they asked, could it be the following Saturday, not this Saturday, but next Saturday? And they told them no, and they gave no reason why. And it says that none of the league, the league office said none of the 32 teams had been made aware of the workout before the memo was sent. When Kaepernick's representative asked whether a team or teams had asked for the workout, the league office said, we can't tell you that. And, of course, that right there is going to make you question the legitimacy of the workout. Right now, the ball is in the NFL's court to submit a list of personnel and executive and coaches who will attend Saturday. Because, dude, if nobody's going to be there, I'm not. he's not showing up. And I don't blame him. And, see, one uh, NFC team told Josina Anderson that they will review on Wednesday morning whether to attend the workout and said, we have nothing to lose by attending the Kaepernick's workout. But I still think for us it would just be an information-gathering trip. Yeah, it, it, it hurt. I, I should say you should get at least 20-plus te- teams out there with a representative at least because it costs nothing for you to go out there, gather some information, look at him, um, you know, and it might spark some interest. You never know because let's not act, let, let's not act like, you know, so many teams are set at quarterback. It's so many teams in flux at the quarterback position that Kaepernick can help those teams. I was all for picking up Kaepernick in 2017 and in 2018 for the Jaguars. So I, th- I think it should, should be a few, a few NFL teams show up for this, and some have serious inquiries about um, where he is and, 
you know, what kind of shape he's in these last, he kept himself in these last few years. But I'm going to give you my take on this. I gave you the facts, you know, because that's what I do here. I give you the facts first, give you the story as it is, and then I tell you what I think. And so this is what I think. I think the NFL should have done this before now. What is taking so long for them to get to this point? There's no reason why within these last three years they shouldn't have done something before now. Just like the NCAA when they passed the bill for players to earn money off their image and their likeness, they get no credit for that because that's something that should have been in place already. So NFL, I give you no credit for this. Because this is basically what this is, is anybody have kids or been around kids, dealt with kids, and they're little and you're eating something. And no matter if they could have just eaten, could have had a whole buffet five minutes prior. But as soon as they hit a wrapper or see you chewing something, they're going to want some, right? And you, they bug you until you give in and give them something. Now, this is not saying that Kaepernick and his representative have been bugging the NFL or teams per se for a workout, but people outside of Kaepernick's camp, because Kaepernick has a lot of supporters. They've been badgering the NFL. They've been badgering teams. Every time a quarterback goes down, every time there's bad play, people who can use a quarterback, people bring up Colin Kaepernick and how he should be on the NFL roster. And they're right. So this is the NFL saying, here, man, go ahead, take this. Go on now. That's basically what it is. It's here. I'm giving you this to pacify you so you'll shut up and leave me alone. So now when we hold this workout and these teams show up, nobody wants to sign him, you can leave us alone. That's what this is about. They're not doing this in the best interest of Colin Kaepernick. They're doing this to get the heat off. Same thing with the NCAA. You don't care about the players. You care about your bottom line. Same with the NFL. And at the end of the day, it is a business. And I've seen a report that say that, um, I think it was Steven, they talked about it. Didn't really didn't watch the video, but I've seen the headline where he thinks that Jay-Z, you know, probably has a hand in this. And probably so. I mean, one of the reasons Jay-Z wanted to get into NFL ownership, some sources said, not him himself, but that, so a situation like Colin Kaepernick wouldn't happen again that he would be able to be given a opportunity by at least one franchise you know to work out to come in be able to be signed and so he wouldn't be basically blackballed and i could i could dig that i could believe it but man the nfl man that's something else man this is very funny and then it's so it's it's the mystery around it it's shrouded in mystery you're not answering questions you're, you're you say you can't change the date you can't change the day, can't change the time. You won't give me a list. So is this real or not? So therefore, I think this is exactly what I said it is. This is to pacify the people who support Colin Kaepernick. And even if those who might not necessarily support him, but know that he deserves an opportunity. This is to shut you up and go ahead and say, here, here, here you go. This is what you wanted. We're going to give you this. And after it fails, don't work out, whatever, whether he signs or not, we've done all we're going to do, and we're moving forward, 
and we won't bring this up ever again. Now on to the rest of NFL Sunday, which was a pretty good slate of games and pretty much a chill day because I didn't have the Jaguars to piss me off Sunday. But a few games I got to watch pretty much every snap of the game. I think the first was the first was the Green Bay Packers uh, versus the Carolina Panthers. And I watched pretty much pretty much that whole game, man. And I expected the Packers to win, and they put on put on a pretty decent show. Um, that defense is very good. It's it's very good. They're pretty legit. Which you know you saw that early on in the season. I figured they would definitely get better as the season goes on. Um, and Aaron in that offense, which was off the first couple of weeks, starting to kind of hit a groove, which they've had injuries, had some moving parts here and there, especially at the wide receiver position because outside of Devontae Adams, it's kind of a question mark. And guys have stepped up. The former Jaguar, Alan Lazard, you know, another Jaguar going somewhere and flourishing. I've seen that movie before. Uh, Kumaro. Of course, now Devontae Adams is back. And so now it looks like they got a legit wide receiving core. But watching them against the Panthers, one one thing that pissed me off in that game was a egregious roughing the passer call on Gerald McCoy of the Panthers where he hits um, Aaron Rodgers in the end zone. And you could literally see him turn his body to not put all his body weight on Aaron Rodgers, and they still threw the flag. And this was in the end zone. Now, of course, Green Bay drove down the field, got no points because Gerald McCoy on fourth down stopped running back in his tracks, um, ended a half. But that robbed the Panthers of a possession that they could have had to add at least a field goal in that game to make that game much closer. Because they were, man, what you say, a couple inches away from a chance to what, tie the game. Because they were down by eight, drove all the way down to the one, and couldn't get in at the basically the, the two-inch line, man. And how big would that field goal or seven points would have been had they got it before the half? But the the refs the refs have been terrible in spots this year. League wide, it's been it's been terrible. They've called I've seen they called holding like sixty percent more through the first couple of weeks of the season that they had all of last season. There's some crazy stat I saw. And then on top of that, dude, what is pass interference? I'm I'm baffled. I, I just don't know now. I really don't. Tony Dungy said he was like, man, you you have to define the rule, have to define what it is now because no one can seem to win a pass interference challenge. I think you went like through a four or five week period where I think it was 21 straight challenges where it was not overturned when pass interference was challenged. Whether it was offensive player um, committing pass interference or defender committing pass interference. Nothing was overturned. And there were times where it was clearly pass interference and they would did not overturn it or would not overturn it. And they need to take it out. 
because it's a clown show at this point. Also, I watched a good bit of the Chiefs and the Titans game, and I said it after they blew out the Jaguars. I knew Kansas City was a Super Bowl contender going into the year, and they most likely will make the playoffs and probably make a deep run. But I said, just like last year, their undoing is going to be their defense. Dude, they let Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans put up 35 points. Dude, that's Ryan Tannehill, man. There's a reason he's not in Miami no more. They let him put up 35 on him. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't look 100% just yet. You can see some lag in that step. So they're, they're not going to reach their full potential until he's completely healthy and he, mentally and physically because it could be a mental thing with him too. Because not only do you have to heal from the physical injury, you have to heal mentally. And so who knows, maybe he just he's looked like he's laboring with that knee. But at times they look unstoppable and at times they look stale. But that defense is not helping them at all. Then I think it was uh, Sunday Night Football at the Vikings and the Cowboys. That's why it's so sweet every time the Cowboys lose. I love it. I do. I love every moment. Because you get they. I love when they're losing and they pan and show you Jerry Jones up in the press box. He's up there looking like a sad-faced Mona Lisa Payton. Yeah, you can call me a hater if you want to. Maybe I am. But I get so sick of them. That's all they talk about is the Cowboys. Like, shut up. They haven't won anything. They haven't done anything. Dak Prescott is a decent quarterback. Ezekiel Elliott is great. And that defense can play with the best of them. But, man, let's do, dude, stop. Stop with the crowning. I'm, I'm like Dennis Green at this point, man. You want to crown them, then crown them. But the Cowboys are who we thought they were. And I hope for the rest of the year, don't, nobody better not let them off the hook. It's Kirk Cousins and those Vikings. Is there any doubt? Dalvin Cook is great. Now, I know he has a lot of injury concerns because he was injured at Florida State a lot, and he's been injured early on in his career with the Vikings. But, man, when this kid is on the field, man, so slippery. He's not the dude's not even that big, but he's strong. He's got balance. He's explosive. And then the Vikings, I think they're the total package, man. I told you the the top rosters going into this year: Vikings, Chargers, Eagles. Player for player, three of the top rosters in the entire league. And the Vikings, are, I think they're going to put it together all down the stretch. They'll make the playoffs, and it's going to depend on Kirk Cousins, of course. Oh, and they're missing um, their wide receiver, Adam Thielen. And so you go into Dallas without Adam Thielen and you beat them while limiting limiting Zeke Elliott because that's the key. I mean, the blueprint to beat the Cowboys is don't let Ezekiel Elliott beat you. Make Dak Prescott beat you. And more often than not, when Zeke Elliott is limited, think if he's under like 50 yards I think they're over I don't think they won a game but same could be said about the Vikings if I'm playing against the Vikings I'm stopping the run Dalvin Cook will not beat me 
I'm stopping the run and putting the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands, especially in big-time games. I mean, Kirk Cousins' record in primetime games is atrocious. It really is. And that's going to forever follow him until he breaks through and he wins. But regardless of how well he plays now, I think this roster is good enough to make the playoffs, and it'll be on Kirk's shoulders then to bring him home. And, of course, I watched the Monday night football game with the Seahawks versus the 49ers. Got to watch the leading MVP, well, leading MVP candidate, Russell Wilson, because Russell's number one um, as far as MVP voting is concerned for me. Right behind him is Lamar Jackson. Then I got Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey at four. And Patrick Mahomes at five. But man, Russell Wilson, all Russell does is year in and year out be consistent, be great, and he's automatic. And of course, no matter what context or what they're talking about with Russell Wilson, anytime I hear his name or see anything about him or watch him play, I always think about Brian Anger. If you don't know who Brian Anger is, Brian Anger is a punter. He was picked in the third round of the 2012 NFL Draft. Why is Brian Anger significant, you ask? Brian Anger was picked three spots before Russell Wilson by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, yes, people. A Super Bowl-winning quarterback, an MVP candidate, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, was passed over by the Jaguars for a punter. I'll never forget it, and the Jaguars will never live it down. But watching Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, man, the Seahawks look good. And watching the 49ers, I seen some cracks with them when they played the Cardinals. And I say, man, if you can stop that run game and force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat you and run the football on this defense, you can beat them. All you have to do is stop the run and force Jimmy Garoppolo to beat you. Saw a stat on Twitter where he was one for 10 on throws 10 plus yards down the field. I think one for 10. Uh, only had like um, less than 20 yards and I think an interception. Jimmy G is the Achilles, Achilles heel of the San Francisco 49ers. He's their weakest link. Now the thing about it is, is that you can hide him to some extent because especially you have a great running game, you got a great tight end. Now you got a, wide, a legitimate wide receiver in Emmanuel Sanders you traded for a few weeks ago. You have a hellacious defense with Richard Sherman and those guys patrolling the back end, Nick Bosa, Arik Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and all those first-round picks up front in which they lost Quan Alexander uh, for the season. But you have a legitimate defense. Your weakest link is Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I believe Kyle Shanahan is a master play caller, and he's going to do his best week in and week out to make sure Jimmy is comfortable and to give him the best possible game plan to succeed. 
But once the playoffs get here, all of that is going to go out the window. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to win games. Because when you play against the Vikings, they just stopped Ezekiel Elliott. They're going to sell out to stop Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman and force Jimmy to beat them. Same with the Seahawks. That's what they did. So I know I got a lot of 49ers fans on my timeline. They've been talking a lot of stuff because they've been bad for a little while. But uh, you're going to get a reality check in the playoffs soon and very soon. Speaking of reality checks, man, what is wrong with the Rams? No, more specifically, what is wrong with Jared Goff? Now, I know he's lost his run game. Todd Gurley and the, this mystery around what's going on with Todd Gurley and this knee and them trying to save him and make sure he's fresh down the stretch. Dog, the stretch is now. You need him now. Because you trying to save him for down the stretch, there won't be anything to save him for if you don't win now. Now, the Steelers have bounced back incredibly, especially after starting 0-2 and just looking terrible. But the for them to lose the way they lost in Pittsburgh, man, man, it's, it's terrible. Same could be said for the Indianapolis Colts. How do you lose to a team that's seemingly trying to lose on purpose in the Miami Dolphins? Now, of course, your starting quarterback's out. He's hurt. He's got a sprained MCL, Jacoby Brissett, and the backup Brian Hoyer played. But, man, come on, it's the Dolphins. And the Dolphins, at least this year, dude, they've not been good. And then Buffalo, man, how do you lose to the Browns, Buffalo? But, once again, it's another quarterback that I think is going to hamstring his franchise and hold them back. One is Mitchell Trubisky. He's going to hold Chicago back. Even though they won Sunday, they beat the Matt Stafford-less Lions, he's going to hold Chicago back because they're not going to get rid of him. They're going to run it back next year and probably the year after that because you got to get a return on your investment and just, hey, you need to cut your losses. But they're probably going to run it back twice. Same with Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills. Dude, Josh Allen is 6'5", 230 with a rocket arm who can move. He can legit scramble. But he is not accurate at all. They get so enamored with prototypical size. So enamored with the way a guy looks and the way the ball looks coming out of his hand. And they just it seemed like they seemingly gloss over what seemed to be small stuff at the time, stuff they seemed like, seemed like, okay, we can coach him up here, we can coach him up there, he have an issue here, we coach him up there. Let's just get him here, and we can coach him up and make him better. But as long as I've been watching football, man, two things that's like the absolute gospel when it comes to quarterbacks. Number one, if he doesn't have a quick release, forget about him. Number two, Accuracy is something you either have or you don't. It cannot be taught and it cannot be coached. I have yet to see a guy who's been inaccurate in college become an accurate passer in the NFL. Now, I've seen improvements, of course, but they don't go from inaccurate to Drew Brees. 
No, they get better for their level, but they don't become elite at it. Even Cam Newton hasn't been accurate on an elite level with him being a better passer the older he's gotten. He's gotten better, but he's not an elite, accurate thrower of the football, and he never will be. The man, so many franchises get enamored with the big guy with the big, strong arm, and it's going to set him back. Oh, and then I saw a report today that the Chicago Bears skipped a meeting with Deshaun Watson. I'm like that preacher. I don't know. I don't know what the broadcast is from. Don't know his name. Don't know what church he preached at. But it's a white preacher, and it's a loop of him saying why. He's like, why, 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 why? That's what I want to know. Why did you skip a meeting with Deshaun Watson? That's all Chicago deserves. Everything they're going to go through these next three to four years. Because to not even sit down with him and talk to him face-to-face, that's irresponsible as a scout, coach, or GM anyway. Because if we have a need at a position, I want to talk to all the guys, top guys at that position that I know we can possibly get. But what happened is they got stuck on Mitchell Trubisky, the GM did. And he, once he got stuck on Mitchell Trubisky, that was it. There was nothing Deshaun could have done to change his mind. There was nothing that Patrick Mahomes could have done to change his mind. So, man, I, I don't know, man. But I'll tell you who else turning heads. Lamar Jackson. Lamar is this generation's Michael Vick. Hands down. And you can tell that Lamar is ahead of Michael Vick where Michael Vick was at this point in his career. Because Michael Vick said to himself when Lamar was in college, he said that Lamar is way ahead of where I was at that point in his career, and that was when he was at Louisville. Now Lamar in year two in his development with an amazing coaching staff. That's why you got to give props to Ozzie Newsom, John Harbaugh, and uh, Eric DaCosta because they laid a foundation and they built this offense around Lamar Jackson. Oh, and of course, Greg Roman, who was the former offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick doing his Super Bowl run with the 49ers. But Lamar, had, if you have not seen his run against the Bengals, who they destroyed Sunday, 49 to 13, well, I think it was like a 47 yard touchdown run where he just looks like a ballerina on the field. Two guys going one way, he spins back inside, make him look silly, races everybody to the end zone, and wins. And I think he's the first quarterback in NFL history to post perfect passer ratings on the road twice. So no more wide receiver talk, no more running back talk, no more Lamar can't do this talk. And, of course, anytime I see Lamar or talk, people talk about Lamar, just like with Russell Wilson, I get sad because Lamar was taken at 32nd overall in the 2018 draft. 
And at 29, the Jacksonville Jaguars took Taven Bryan. We could have had Lamar Jackson. But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rehash that because I just make myself angry. Man, I wanted to end the show right here, but can't be a sore loser. I have to give the LSU Tigers their props. They beat us. It is what it is. Now, of course, I do feel like if Tua Tungabaloa was completely healthy and not coming off of surgery and being incredibly rusty and looking terrible early in that game, probably would have won the game, but hey, the sour grapes. Can't be mad at it. Injuries are no excuse. If you're on the field, you're healthy. So, but man, I did not expect Joe Burrow to come into Tuscaloosa and put a whomping on that Alabama defense. I knew this wasn't the defenses of the past. But, man, I, just, I didn't think they would cave like that. And then Edwards Elaire, running back, man, he looked like Jones Drew. You're talking about a kid that was doubted um, at every turn, seemed like. I think he walked on to LSU. He only got – they were the, his only big scholarship. And you could tell the tough road he's had to climb to where – to be able to be in that game and to play the way he did and the time he put in by him and his dad's embrace at the end of the game. I love stories like that. I had really hadn't paid attention to him, didn't know much about him. But, you know, he's got a fan in me because I love the little guys, especially dudes like 5'8". I'm 5'8". So it makes me feel like, hey, I could have did it. But, you know, Lord knows I couldn't have done that because I probably got my chest broke at some point. Sternum broken about four different places. But anyway. But now, man, college football is, especially with this playoff coming up, man, it's going to be tough because now you have LSU at number one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, Georgia at four, Bama at five, Oregon at six, Utah at seven, Minnesota moves up to eight. They're undefeated. Penn State drops to nine. Oklahoma's at ten. So I don't really want to go outside the top ten because there's no need for the rest of these teams because I don't think none of them have a chance to make the playoff. But I think the only lock for the playoff is Clemson because I don't think Clemson has any games where they're going to be in danger of losing the rest of this season. I mean, the, they got the rest of the AC. I think two more games and then the ACC championship game. I don't see them losing, so I think they're a lock to make it. Um, LSU still has the tangle with most likely Georgia in the SEC championship game. And so that's going to be tough. So they're going to knock their one and four. So they're going to knock one another out. Then you have Ohio State, who has Penn State on the 23rd. And I think they play Minnesota. So there's potential there for them to get knocked out. And so Bama only dropped down to five. They dropped two spots. So they're going to get a chance to get into this playoff because I didn't think uh, – I thought they would drop a little further, but I could see them justifying dropping them just to five because you lost to LSU, who's the number one team. And with the healthy Tua, I think Alabama could play with anybody in this top, top four, top five. And so you got Oregon at six. They're on the outside looking in. I don't think their resume is that good. Same with Utah at 8-1. and one. 
Now, Minnesota at eight is interesting because they already beat Penn State. And I think they got like three more ranked, two more ranked opponents. And then you have the Big Ten championship game. So Minnesota is very interesting. I watched pretty much every snap of that game Saturday. I had to work, um, work at my job, had to work late. And I got sitting and watched that whole game. And, man, Minnesota just impressed from start to finish. Then, of course, I saw Oklahoma. Uh, they struggled with, I think, Iowa State. Well, Iowa State, I think they scored 20 in the fourth and shut out Oklahoma. But Oklahoma out less than 42 to 41. So, yeah, that, that drops them. They drop a spot because of that. Then you have Baylor, who struggled with TCU. Went to overtime. It was 9 to 9. And ended up winning in overtime, I think, 29 to 23. So that drops them. They're no contender, even though they're undefeated. And they have Oklahoma coming up. I don't see them being able to um, climb up the boards all the way to the top four to make the playoff. But right now, on the outside looking in, man, Oregon, I don't really see. Utah, I don't really see. I think Minnesota has a legit shot, especially if they continue to win and beat ranked opponents. You'll jump over Utah and you'll jump over Oregon. And you'll be sitting in that sixth spot right outside the playoff. And then once these top four start to get top five start to get knocked off, then you know they can make their rise up the rankings. Now, as great as the NCAA can be for the product and the sports that they put out, I have to criticize them once again. So the two potential top picks, future top picks in their respective sports were suspended by the NCAA. The first was defensive end Chase Young for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Chase Young supposedly took a loan from a family friend so his girlfriend could see him play in the Rose Bowl. And he repaid this family friend in full. Now, I saw the story on ESPN, and it says, although Young, replayed, re, re, although Young repaid the loan, it is still considered an extra benefit from the NCAA because Young didn't meet the friend until after his recruitment to Ohio State had started. Ohio State released a statement. Um, athletic director Gene Smith said in a prepared statement, he said, this is the example of the culture of compliance we have at Ohio State. I also want to commend Chase Young and let him know how proud we are of him. He took responsibility for his actions, cooperated throughout the process, and understood and accepted that there will be consequences. Now, I understand that, and I get all that, but this is a bunch of baloney. And really, if I'm Chase Young, and I know he doesn't want to do this, and I know people are not going to advise him to do this because they don't, he don't want to be seen as a quitter and quitting on his team and quitting on um, his team, his his school and the teammates. But if I'm Chase Young, I don't play another down for the NCAA because he has 13 and a half sacks this season and he has nothing else to prove. He is a potential top overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft in a few months. So, hey, if I'm his dad, I'm like, yo, we don't need the NCAA. You've shown your worth. Now let's go make this money. And it's on him whether he wants to, you know, leave or not. 
But man, come on. I NCAA is shady, man. Shady. Dude took a loan and paid it back. And they suspended him. Then on the flip side of that, we had James Wiseman, center for the Memphis Tigers. Wiseman was declared ineligible because Hardaway, his coach, Tim Penny Hardaway, Wiseman was declared ineligible because his head coach, Penny Hardaway, paid for his family to move to Memphis back in 2017. Hardaway was coaching at a high school at the time, and yes, Wiseman ended up playing there. The NCAA declared Wiseman ineligible because it determined that Hardaway became a Memphis booster when he gave the school a million dollars to establish an athletic hall of fame in 2008. However, Wiseman's attorney, Leslie Ballin, filed for and received an injunction from a local court and Wiseman played in a 92-46 win over Illinois Chicago. He scored 17 points and grabbed nine rebounds. After the game, Hardaway vowed that Wiseman would continue to play. And of course, the NCAA issued a statement said the University of Memphis was notified that James Wiseman is likely ineligible. The university chose to play him and ultimately is responsible for ensuring its students athletes are eligible to play. This is once again a bunch of BS. It's about a Hippocratic organization, man. These kids can't even play and work at the same time. They can't work a regular job. It's not allowed. I bet a lot of people don't know that. They're the only young people in this country, NCAA athletes, that cannot earn money off of their talents. And it's absolutely crazy. And how did how deep did they have to go into the rule book to dig this out to make him ineligible? And of course, he's a potential top pick in the next NBA draft. The 2020 NBA draft, he's a potential top number one pick. And once again, if I'm Wiseman, if I'm his dad, if I'm advisor in his family, you don't need the NCAA. Now, Memphis is going to continue to play him while they have filed an injunction and they're trying to get his eligibility straight, which probably won't happen because NCAA has a lot of money. They have a lot of high-powered lawyers, and they're going to keep it tied up in litigation and probably ultimately end up winning. But James Wiseman doesn't need NCAA. He can go overseas and play. Or he can do what Darius Baisley did which was signed, I think, like a million-dollar contract with the shoe company to train all year and prepare for the NBA draft instead of playing college basketball. I mean, the NCAA has had a monopoly on athletics, especially football and basketball, and have basically been farming leagues for a lot of sports. And because there's no other option, that's where the kids are going to go because they want to be part of the pageantry. They want to be on TV. They want to be a part of the universities they've seen their favorite players go to. And, of course, yes, most of them, especially star players, are getting paid by boosters or paid under the table, paid by agents, runners, you name it. These guys are getting paid regardless. And the NCAA knows that. Which is so hypocritical, man. 
And of course, not to mention, the NCAA had already cleared Wiseman because Memphis had cooperated with the investigation, did everything, dotted all I's, crossed T's, gave all information. Now, of course, there's currently no paper trail of the money, I think it was $11,500 that Penny Hardaway gave to Wiseman's family to help move to the Memphis um, area to go to the school that Penny was coaching at. But even then, if you find out that, okay, that happened, you find a paper trail, they pay the money back in full, Wiseman serves a, you know, a short suspension, and you move on with your life. But that's not what the NCAA is doing. What the NCAA has done is they moved the goalposts. They said, hey, we need this information, that information. We need to know where you were this day, what you did on that day, what you did on this day. Penny, Wiseman, and Memphis all said, cool. We give you everything. We have nothing to hide. And they say, okay, we reviewed everything. He's cleared to play. Now they're digging up some crap from 2008 where Penny donated a million dollars to Memphis for them to build that Hall of Fame. And now you're considered he's considered a booster now, making Wiseman ineligible. Come on, man. And, of course, it's gotten to a point where now, no matter what the NCAA does, even if they have a point, it's going to draw the ire in the court of public opinion. Stars, analysts, Top people, celebrities, you name it, have come out against the NCAA and their treatment of Penny Hardaway and Wiseman. Same with Chase Young. It's amazing that the two top players in their respective sports have been ruled ineligible to play over something that seems so trivial. But that's the NCAA. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is my time. Sure, it went a little longer than I probably wanted it to go but I'm gonna do my editing cut it down a little bit of course I had fun again today this is very therapeutic if you did not know I guess it's kind of like writing in a journal maybe but you know I'm not talking about my life and you know personal things that are going on with me you know I'm talking about things you know I love I love sports I love football I love basketball it's the longest running reality TV show in human history which is sports but please remember to like share and subscribe view me on all my platforms from Castbox to spotify to google play to anchor share with everybody um, follow me on all social media platforms facebook twitter instagram um, i got a snapchat but i'm never on there so if you do follow me follow me on twitter i'm on twitter the most need to get my twitter followers up man but until next time i'll talk to you guys later peace